Welcome to the Quantum Alignment Q&A, Humboldt series, where we traverse through an array of healing modalities to educate, empower, and excite our listeners on their path of holistic health and wellness. In sharing various practitioners' experiences and insight, we hope to cultivate a deeper relationship between one's true self, the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional bodies. Join naturopath, transpersonal psychologist, and cannabis therapy consultant, Dr. Pepper Hernandez in the Humboldt Quantum Alignment Series. And now, here is your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Welcome, and thank you so much for making time to be present with us today. I am so very excited to have Dr. Roy King with us today. Dr. King has a PhD in mathematics from Cornell. He is an MD from Stanford. He also has a Master's of Divinity from the Pacific School of Religion. He is an associate professor in the Department of Psychiatrics at Stanford University. He's fascinated by alternative approaches to mental health issues, including yoga, meditation, and art therapy. He has published over 100 articles, so you can see why he's the perfect guest for us today. So Dr. King, thank you. I love you and I appreciate you for taking the time out of your busy day. Well, thank you, Dr. Pepper. It's really (laughs) exciting being here, being able to tell my story and my hopes for folks. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased. Well, I'm excited about your story because we've known each other for a little bit, but I don't think we've ever really taken the time to sit down and tell your full entire story. And so I'm excited for you to be sharing things with us today. So I did some research. Okay. And hopefully good. Came from <laughs> oh, that. all good. Okay. Everything good. I mean, everything out there from, you know, the interwebs to, to conversations with the community. I mean, you've got a really great reputation for yourself. Um, and I can see why, because you're an amazing person. So I did some research, and I found out that you were born and raised in Nashville. I was born in Nashville. Oh, born. Right. Okay, okay. Uh, Tell me about this. And raised in Pennsylvania, but would go back to my grandparents uh, every summer and spend much of the summer in in Nashville. So I feel like a transplant between the uh, Northeast and the the South. It's sort of a hybrid person, you know, culturally. A lot of us are here you know a lot of us are kind of from other places or we go and travel quite a bit so tell me a little bit about how you rooted yourself here in Humboldt and what that was between Nashville and Humboldt because there's a huge story there so tell me what you want (laughs) I feel like a pioneer coming out to to California yeah congratulations for getting on oh thank you thank you so I was born in in Nashville uh my mother was a math professor at Fisk University, which is a local black college there. And my father was uh, a med student. Uh, uh, And my mom was also teaching my father statistics at the time in medical school. And uh, they fell in love, got married, and 
I was born in, you know, in Meharry Hospital, uh, you know, in, in Nashville. So then he left and did his internship and uh, did some practicing in uh, Virginia, uh, in the uh, Appalachian uh, area oh, of yeah, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah Waynesboro, Virginia. There. Yeah. Beautiful there. I mean, I was a little kid, three to five years old, so don't have any, eh, maybe a little recollection of it, but hardly anything to, 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 to say. So then we moved to Erie, Pennsylvania uh, in the late 50s, at, where I spent most of my time growing up, and that was, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, I bet. One of the things that I really liked uh, about Erie that kind of propelled me onto the path of healing that uh, you know, I've, I've chosen uh, was for maybe six years or so when I was a kid, we lived in the countryside, and I kind of found my sanctuary in, in nature, the trees, the streams, the frogs and tadpoles from a creek that ran behind our house. And, and that's affected me and influenced yeah. me my whole, my whole life. So that was kind of the spiritual aspect of, of, of my life when I was in, in Erie. And kind of as a, uh, a teenager, I started writing poetry and, you know, really into emotional stuff. And I uh, was reading Jung in, in the local public library, and that kind of, you know, got me started on the spiritual aspect of my uh, course. In the 50s? Oh, no, well, this would have been oh, in the 60s. Was, no, so oh, jump ahead. 60s. Yeah, 60s. Wow, that's, so you have been on the path for a the, very long time. The, yeah, since yeah, the Yeah, very the fascinating. 60s. The other thing that influenced me had to do with my, my grandfather, who was a professor at Fisk, you know, taught math, and my mom taught uh, math as, as well, uh, you know, in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, in a local uh, college there. And, you know, my mom's family's had a huge in, influence on, on, on me. Uh, when, probably in the mid-70s, my mother discovered an old manuscript written by uh, my, uh, two manuscripts written by my great-grandfather, uh, Houston Hartsfield Holloway, and my a great grandfather, John Wesley Holloway, who was a, a, a poet, it was in the attic of a relative in, in Nashville. And she kind of tr- took it, transcribed it. And uh, basically these were like, sl- the, the first one was a slave diary because it started when, before the C- civil war, he talked about, you know, being on a plantation outside of Atlanta, you know, as a, as a young slave teaching himself to read and write. Um, and then he married uh, another uh, a person in a nearby plantation, and they gave birth to my great-grandfather, the poet, John Wesley Holloway. And in these documents, it was so amazing, uh, they mentioned that uh, my great-great-great-grandmother, Cherry Thrash, was the most noted root doctor in all of Georgia and learned from the indigenous people there, Creek and Cherokee people, uh, as well as bringing some African tradition uh, to her her practice, so she was a root doctor, and and I'm reading that, and I always felt this connection to nature, like I mentioned yeah. earlier. I said, "Oh my God, this is this is really you know important aspect of my uh, life and direction I want to want to go." What a rich history! Keep, continue, please. I, sure. I didn't want to interrupt you because I just wanted to tell you that. that was- okay. So <laughs> uh, after that, after I was a teenager, uh, half of me was really into Jung and nature. 
and uh, spirituality. And the other part was, you know, picking up on the math. And you know, I was doing math. At, you know, I was pretty skilled at that just by luck, you know, because my mother and grandfather taught math. Um, so then I went to, uh, ultimately went to Cornell in upstate New York. Uh, and I also liked art and art history. I wanted to continue in art history, you know, get a PhD in art history. My parents said, no, as an African-American, you'll never get a job or anything. Stick with your math. And so I stayed and got my math PhD at, at Cornell. Are you glad that you took that route, though? I'm glad that I did uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one was in my uh, PhD dissertation, which I can no longer read. I can't understand the math; it's way over <laughs> my head. I'm, you know, as I've, I've aged. But I, I know I, I uh, wrote the dedication to a healer named Ogata Meli from the oh. Dogon in uh, West Africa, because I was reading about the Dogon spirituality, their love of the star Sirius. They, they knew a lot yeah, about astronomy yeah. that they picked up just from looking at the, the sky. And there's a book about this uh, Dogon priest, Ogatameli, uh, that really inspired me. And so I dedicated to, to, to him. And then, yeah. of course, you know, it became a lot of math and obscure, you know, equations and everything from that. Well, it sounds like these these realities, kind of these parallel realities, are, are coming together. They're bleeding over yeah. on both of these, from the you know the very educational math perspective and then the spirituality, because they are they are blended. Yeah, and they are one, and it's it's yeah, it's very amazing. So continue. Good. So so that was the beauty of, of yeah. math. I could it probably helped give a perspective of you know looking for intellectual beauty and. Uh, consistency and abstraction that coupled with the kind of earthy, you know, yeah. nature loving person that I was at the, at the time. So I think that was formative for me. Uh, after that, I kind of felt that I didn't want to be um, a mathematician and okay. I'll, maybe I'll tell the story about yeah, that yeah. later. Okay. Uh, Cause that's an interesting story. But uh I said, well, my father was a doctor, probably maybe medical school would be good. So I took, you know, the pre-med courses and, you know, and applied to med school and then schlepped all my way out to, to Stanford and went to Stanford Medical School in 75. What a great time. <laughs> great time it yeah. was. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, coming out here, I drove across in my jalopy over Canada. <laughs> I, I and my girlfriend at the time, we drove uh, and... Uh, we like spent a month camped out in Big Sur oh, campground wow. while I would commute up to Stanford and, you know, work in a, in a, in a lab and, you know, ultimately take courses. So just love Big wow. Sur so much. So you lived in nature and, and commuted to, for school? Yeah, just for one month. Oh, okay. I was and like, then, wow. Right. That was, but even a month. I, even a month, it was yeah. an interesting experience. and I think, and it's a good balance. And it sounds like a lot of these things, just from this short, you know, 15 minutes that we've been talking, is all about balance. Yeah. Mathematics very much in the sky, you know, and then these other things are very much in their earth and grounding. Earth, so I'm yeah. feeling a lot of grounding and balancing for you internally and... Um, you know, just intuitively, okay. you're doing this. It sounds yeah, like it's really amazing. I, I hadn't thought of it that way till now, but really, you know, as I 
reflect on it. That, that makes total sense. Because it's like you go up and then I you're coming and down, down yeah. and ro- rooting in, and right. then going up and then rooting in, and yeah. it's yeah, it's and the root part of me at that time, which was so fascinating, was that uh, you know before I left uh, Cornell, I uh, got really interested in, in 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 local plants and herbal medicine. I think I bought a copy of Culpepper's Herbal, <laughs> and I started leafing through it, and you know looked at local plants and. There was a plan on my hikes in, in Cornell called called Yarrow, which uh, was yes. very aromatic. And I like, saw, oh, this is so, such a cool plant. And I saw it was used for anti-inflammatory, yes. as anti-inflammatory and other kinds of uh, conditions. So when I came out to Big Sur and camped there with my girlfriend at the time, uh, I was looking on the coast. And oh my God, they had Yarrow <laughs> out here too. I said, Jesus, across the whole mm-hmm. continent of the United States. And so one of the classes I took, which uh, was in um, Monterey, Stanford had a, a, a laboratory in Monterey, the Hopkins Marine Laboratory. And I took a course, it was called Marine and Amphibian Toxins. And it was this older wow. professor of biology who would bring us in, you know, different samples of fish and show how they had these enormous pharmacological effects, the toxins. Mm-hmm. Like tetrodotoxin, saxitoxin were some of them. And I said, there's a little lab there. I said, I'm going to bring in my yarrow and do an extraction and see if it does something. You know? <laughs> and so I brought in some yarrow from Big Sur, you know, did a little simple extraction. And we were doing a biological preparation and it actually stopped the heart of a frog like right away. Oh, and, wow. And he was really impressed. And, and I was like blown away by the powerfulness of. A remedy that I first heard about from Culpepper's uh, yeah. to to cause such a profound pharmacological effect. So when I actually uh, started living at Stanford and working in in a, in a laboratory while in medical school, I actually did extractions of plants to try to figure out you know some of the compounds that would be helpful for for for, for healing. And then ultimately wrote a paper on. Uh, flavonoids, you know, because mm-hmm. there are flavonoids yes. in yarrow yes. and some of the other plants and showed they had a profound effect on raising a hormone called mm-hmm. cyclic AMP, a secondary hormone in the cells. It was far more potent than, you know, other kinds of either artificial or, you know, natural uh, chemicals. So we published that paper on the flavonoids and later on it was picked up after the uh, French paradox papers came out how the French you know live long yet they eat a lot of you know uh, high fat food and drink a lot of red wine and and, and so on and people noticed that red wine had a lot of flavonoids in right. it and they actually referred to the you know a few years earlier my paper on the flavonoids and their effect on raising cyclic AMP this this uh, secondary messenger. Oh my goodness. So, so oh my goodness. This that's is all marvelous that. information. Like I'm really yeah, I'm very impressed. That's very exciting just how life leads you. Yeah. You know, if you're paying attention, if you're really open, if you're really listening to that inner dialogue within yourself, you start really following this little path, you know, and that's just that's just wonderful. I, I love that story. It's a great story. So when I was in medical school. Yes. I can't stand the sight of blood, right? Which oh, is difficult really? being a physician. Yeah, I think, <laughs> well, my father was a physician, you know, and back when I was a kid, 
they had this Good Samaritan rule. So if you saw an accident, you had to help people out. So I was right, like, right, right, right. You remember right. that? No, for certain. So I was like eight or ten, and there was an awful accident on the side of the road, and he stopped, and it was someone was bleeding, and and so on. And I just remember, you know, the smell of blood, you know, being upsetting. So when I go back to medical school, I'm doing anatomy. I can't, you know, I don't like that or <laughs> surgery or anything. Luckily, Stanford had a, everything was pass fail. Uh, you could take whatever courses you, you wanted. So I dropped anatomy and took field botany oh, instead. Okay. I said, okay, I'm not going to deal with, you know, the human anatomical system. I'll look at, you know, the plant systems and the really interesting herbs out in, in California. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. What a great story in leading to you to, to that is. direction, right? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. The other thing that happened, and it's funny how uh, synchronicity occurs, Absolutely. Right? So, it's all synergistic. Uh, the other thing that happened was when I was taking anatomy, and failing anatomy, <laughs> I said I could drop it, so I dropped it, and you know, it wouldn't show up on the record. And uh, the only rotation that was open was uh, psychiatry rotation. I had no thoughts about psychiatry or psychotherapy at the time, you know, wanting to go in that uh, direction. But I fell in love with psychiatry. Uh, At the time, it was very psychotherapy-oriented. A lot of, you know, Jungian psychotherapy, T.A. Gestalt, even some, you know, psychoanalysis, you know, that was kind of modified. Those were were happening. It was just a wonderful scene out in in California and, you know, at Stanford and Bay Area. Uh, and a rich psychological place to learn about these different modalities. So, so I become a psychiatrist in the mid seventies. In the mid right. at the end, yeah, of, yeah so I that's graduated. Gotta be like a potent time. It was to be... really, really mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, you know, as a psychiatrist, it was you know I learned about psychotherapy. You learn about medications, which at that time were very minimal. We didn't have much of the way of medications, psychiatric medications. So we had a lot of talk therapy. That's Which great. I love doing, you I know, because do yeah, it's so much fun talking to people, getting to know uh, a bit about their inner worlds, uh, helping repair, you know, the fragments that people, you know, find and experience, you know, due to early trauma or impaired relationships or grief or loss. So I really enjoyed, you know, doing that kind of work uh, with with clients. So jumping now a bit. Um, I did my psychiatry, became a psychiatrist, got on the faculty. Oh, well, that's where the math helped because I could publish some mathematical papers. Oh, I see. Okay. Help me get, you know, tenure there at Stanford in psychiatry. And the sort of clinical work I was doing, uh, was mostly psychotherapy, working with, with clients, uh, people who were anxious or, you know, experienced stress reactions or trauma. And... Ultimately, I was the director of a day program uh, at Stanford, a clinical program for people who had been, let's say, hospitalized, were kind of depressed, were on their road to recovery, but needed some more time to adjust you know, in terms of groups I and see. therapy before they go back to their job or... Regular scheduled program. Regular scheduled yeah. program. <laughs> yeah, got right. it. And so I was the director of that, and uh, because I was interested in alternative stuff and we actually, I actually brought in yoga therapy and uh, art therapy and poetry therapy at one point to the, to the oh, program. Oh, that's fascinating. So that was like so, so much fun, you know, and really helpful. 
And this was back in... in this was now, we said, jump to the 90s. 90s. Okay, yeah. but you, so you've been using, you know, talk therapy, yoga therapy, art therapy, all of these, what some people may have called at that time alternative yes, therapies. Right. Now they're just, tradi- to me, they're traditional yeah, yeah, therapies. Right, I mean, because right. we live in Humboldt, and this is, that's, that's just the what first... That's it is, here. Yeah, it's the first thing you jump to. Um, but wow, how wonderful. And I'm sure, you know, doing that type of work with, people who just needed a little bit more time to unwind Mm -hmm. the result in taking time with these people i mean what did you experience oh so transforming it was you know like a yoga group we'd have people who who had been very depressed come to the day program we spent an hour and a half in a yoga group we do uh some initial stretching um and uh breathing exercises and then that you know that kind of focused concentration and afterwards and we we actually did some a little study about that uh their level of stress went way down significantly way down you know after a yoga class or after open art therapy class Mm -hmm. poetry on the other hand my favorite thing because you know my great-grandfather was a poet and i wrote a little poetry as a teenager it actually increased stress because really yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why is that? You were about to well, say. Yeah, when we asked people about it, they said it brought up stuff. Ooh, stuff you know, for them. trying to get into your feelings and, yes. and, and earlier experiences. It could bring up traumatic material, bring up anger. And then I think ultimately it was healing and cathartic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But initially people became you know more upset, a little more agitated. Um, yeah. You know, after doing you know, one and a half hours of poetry. I can see with my practice and, and the patients that I have and my personal practice at home, you know, I'm a huge Kundalini practitioner. Yes. I love Kundalini. But some of the practices, some of the Kriyas, some of the different types of work that I do, they do bring things up. Like I do talk therapy as well with affirmations and whatnot and mm-hmm. with Kundalini. And it's designed to bring up that fear, that anxiety, that stress. But then with, you know, if you're talking yourself into it, it's going to be okay in just about 15 minutes. This is what I'm processing through. I am moving through this. I'm going to be healthy in just a moment. If you have that strength built within yourself to say that to yourself, and that's your program, then it's okay. But I do think a lot of these things kind of bring that up first for you to look at it. Mm -hmm. Because other than that, then it's just kind of surprising pressed or, right. or or pushed down or it's um from my perspective and I'd love for you to share with me yours from my perspective it's as if we have um all of these wounds mm-hmm. and we're living reality through these wounds yeah. and so if there is a fear or anxiety or stress there we will do everything in our reality to avoid it for yeah. example if someone um doesn't really like interacting with other people they go to the grocery store and they will go you know, I've, I've been with a person who's this way. They will walk around aisles yeah. to avoid interaction with someone they might know. And this is a small community, so it's hard to do that. Right, hard to avoid folks. Yeah. But if they were to have processed possibly through that particular, you know, um, wound or discomfort that was created, Lord knows when, mm-hmm. then that may not be happening as much. So yeah. do you see where I'm going with all yeah, of that? So yeah. we'll speak to those kind of things. I just opened well, up a whole other yeah, space. Yeah, no, this is great. But, but speak to there. those things. Well, I think, and after we did the yoga groups, I wrote a couple of papers on, on yoga therapy. Uh, at the time, I was thinking, 
let's calm ourselves. We follow Pantanjali's kind of, you know, uh, uh, Ashtanga, eightfold path of yoga. Oh, yeah. You know, which basically is sort of a quieting, turning in and cutting out the, you know, the uh, emotional stuff and the rest of the world yes. by through one, you know, one point of concentration, you know, or, or focus. So that was one thing. And that helped people who were like terribly anxious at the moment or, uh, helps people who uh you know are distra- distracted by kind of loopy thoughts that are keep going over and yeah. over in their head and by changing the focus of their their minds to something either an internal image or to a candle or to a, a, a mantra uh, on the other hand and this is what i learned later this is part of my transition to to, to humboldt on the other hand there are uh disciplines and practices that, you know, kind of open up the mind, right? Some extent Zen, you know, Buddhist yes. practice does, yes. you know, um, insight meditation does. Um, the uh, I'm really interested in uh, yoga from Kashmir, mm-hmm. Shaivism. Kashmir Shaivism is kind of a non-dual approach to, uh, to life. And that, after, you know, I did the day program at Stanford, I was like kind of confused because they it wasn't making money, so uh, they closed the program, and I wasn't sure what to do with my That's energy. That's too bad. It was really too bad. Yeah. Those kind of things that work, you yes. know? Yeah, it you really see that works. All the time. Uh, so I was saying I had this uh, thought, this recurring thought, you know. So doing yoga, the kind of uh, Pantanjali style yoga, you know, that'll soothe your mind you can close your eyes and not feel you know anguish but what about the other 23 hours of the day what do you do to sustain that because <laughs> your eyes are open right right you know and because you can't be just sitting doing asanas or you know i mean you can up. i mean you could yeah yeah this is also, i see what you're <laughs> saying <laughs> so that's the question that kind of perplexed me and after they shut down the program i decided to go to seminary in 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 berkeley there's uh, went to Pacific School of Religion, and uh, came in as kind of I wasn't Christian identified or any particular identified with any particular religion, but just wanted to learn about all the different religions and practices that would help solve some of these mental health issues that people you know were were going through, uh, or spiritual traditions that help sustain you when your eyes are, are open, and it was that point that I. Uh, chanced upon, you know, like this Kashmir Shaivism, which is uh, more of a Shakti, more of a goddess-based yes. uh, yes. spirituality, uh, where the goddess is the creatrix of, of all. And if we know that we're in, if we're connected to the goddess, if we uh, identify a part of ourselves with, 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 with the goddess, that can sustain you 24-7, I believe, you know. And it's not a goddess as an image of a goddess, but for me, the goddess is nature spirituality. It's the ocean, the, the, you know, the majestic redwoods that we, we have here. You know, it, just being in contact with nature for me is sustaining. So that really harkened back to when I was yes. a kid where, you know, I would go hiking in the back of the house as an 8, 10-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. with streams and trees and everything. So I think that was the solution to my uh question you know uh is feel the divine 24 7 you know 
it doesn't matter what particular religion you choose, whether it's Christianity or Islam uh, or Taoism or Kashmir Shaivism, but it's a way to uh, sustain yourself, you know, throughout the day. So here's a side question. With everything that you're telling me, I'm so vibrating with it. I mean, it's just right on. And I think we're, everything's divine timing. Would you think, I mean, this is pretty far out there to say, but it's right on at the same time. Do you think all mental issues or PTSD, because I know that's what you work with. We're kind of going to fast forward to what you're doing now. But do you think all of them are very much related to Mm. certain traumas that they've had in their reality? And can they all be, I mean, you're shaking your head. Yeah, I think think most, yeah, Yeah. most psychological conditions have a component of trauma to them. There may be some uh, like severe bipolar disorder or, or schizophrenia that have something else going on that may need pharmacological intervention as well. But I think a lot of the uh, stressors that we experience derive from trauma, early trauma, from our projection in the world now of fear from these early traumatic experiences. And this is true from people who have panic attacks or kind of general anxiety or uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So all these things are... uh, in many ways, ultimately grounded on, you know, earlier experiences. Right. I, I, I definitely believe in that. It's hard to process through those on your own sometimes, but there are more tools all the time being available to not only communities, but via, you know, the interwebs of life. Um, We can kind of start dialing in. And I think, and this is just something to open up conversation, but I think that as, you know, time evolves, as technology continues to infiltrate our mind and, you know, control our reality, I mean, it truly is, our bodies are needing an upgrade. And I speak more on the fact of nutritional upgrades and mm-hmm. taking care of your body mm-hmm. in that way, but this is all another level of taking care of your brain yeah. and the neurotransmitters that are going on with your brain and clearing out old programs and deleting, you know, mental uncomfortability that doesn't lo- no longer serve you because you can't continue forward working through those, you know, fractalated states, those, mm-hmm. those mental places that have been uncomfortable or that trauma. And so yeah. let's get to what you're doing with our community. Now. Okay. I'd with be glad that to being do that. said, if I haven't said it enough, thank you. Thank oh, you for being thank you, here. Dr. Pepper, for, yeah. You know, inviting me and allowing me to, to speak. Yeah, I mean, just thanks for being in Humboldt. Oh, okay. But thanks true. for being here today, well, thank too. you, Humboldt, uh, you know, for, for being present. <laughs> so tell me how long you've been here. Let's fast forward just okay. a tad, but um, I think whether we got most of it, unless there was something in between. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about how long you've been here in Humboldt okay. and what you're doing before we take a little break. Sure. So tell me about that. So uh, I've been here for, for three years. I first learned about Humboldt when I was in seminary because I wasn't making, I wasn't getting enough income through work at Stanford because I was in school. So I would become like a traveling doc and was assigned to uh, the County Mental Health in Eureka here. Oh, Which was intense. Talk about like being in the snake pit and everything. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead. But So on the plus side, just just fell in love, you know, with, uh, with the area. My wife and I would come up here like for a month at a time while I was working and love the, 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 the natural scenes and the people as, 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 as well. So I, once I retired from Stanford, uh, moved up here uh, uh, three years ago, you know, and 
geez, just felt, felt like this was a, a, a revolutionary period in my personal life. You know, I kind of discovered how you could live through, you know, the, the more non-dual open aspect of, uh, you know, to get from meditation, whether it's from Shaivism or, uh, you know, non-dual Buddhism and so on. And so I came up here and wow, just, just, it felt it's great. It's perfect for you. It yeah. has the ocean. It has the forest. It has yes. meditation. It's an open-minded community. You're right. A wonderful community. Plus plenty of work people. for you to do. Plenty of work for me to do. <laughs> I right. mean, it really sounds like just from your story that you've told us today, it yeah. really sounds like you're heaven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it is. Yeah. So I opened up a practice here about eight months ago in, in Arcata Square. That's more of an alternative practice uh, for psychiatry, but with kind of a lot of complementary techniques to work with folks who are, you know, going through stress or trauma. And uh, one of the things that I add to that is, you know, add breathing techniques for people who are, you know, like having panic attacks, recommend yoga therapy. Uh, for people who are, who are uh, depressed, I'm really, really interested in that and interested in expanding to, you know, novel ways of, of, of working with folks. Uh, in addition, for anxiety, I recommend, you know, uh, a lot of medicines like, you know, kava, kava. and uh, Natural herbs. Natural and herbs, stuff. yeah. Okay. It's like adjunctive to, to help people with anxiety. Wonderful. And the pharmacological and the psychotherapy management mm-hmm. that you're doing currently, does that include cannabis therapy or? Yeah, that's interesting. I do. I've learned a lot, you know, recently um, from this very rich culture about the medical effects of, of cannabis, like the, the real big interest in CBDs, you know, either through uh, extraction or tinctures and so on you know, versus THC-rich uh, cannabis and have recommended that to some of my clients who are, you know, re- been super anxious and are taking benzodiazepines to help with their anxiety. Uh, some people who have in chronic pain, you know, or taking opiates, you know, we talk about, you know, CBDs as an alternative to reducing, you know, anxiety and, and chronic pain. Don't recommend for a lot of the people high THC, Right. Uh, strength because that tends to increase anxiety or paranoia and, and so definitely on. depending on the strain and the depending combination the of the person yeah yeah definitely um what i've learned about recently is this uh, entourage effect that's like so fascinating to me that uh the the terpenes in cannabis you know like myrcene and so on coupled with cbds thc can have an added additive effect mm-hmm. it's not just in the isolated chemical so it actually does uh, kind of reproduces the thoughts that I had about, you know, herbal uh, medicine. Yes. Because there, that's definitely an entourage effect. There's so many different things within, you know, each plant uh, that you can't really dissect out the, necessarily dissect out the active ingredient. So like uh, yarrow has flavonoids, but it has all other kinds of stuff that, you know, are Presumably, it seemed like they might be anti-cancer agents, sesquiterpene lactones, for example. Um, Same with cannabis. Cannabis is such a rich and complex uh, plant. Uh, And right now, it's like like the terpenes are kind of fascinating uh, to me. I read a study that showed 
that um, forests, uh, evergreen forests, like the ones here in, in Humboldt, uh, in Humboldt. Gorgeous ones. Gorgeous evergreens, <laughs> redwoods, you know, Douglas fir. Uh, they emit terpenes to the sky. Yes. And those terpenes form a seed for clouds. And so they bring down the clouds. They bring down the, the rain upon them. Plus, they cool off the earth. Like all the forests in Canada are very important in keeping, in reducing global warming because yeah. of terpenes causing cloud formation, which reflects the heat back off the surface of the earth. So to me, terpenes are like the way many plants uh, communicate. They're like a, a plant language that we haven't yet deciphered, but just yeah, I love that. so powerful and you know fascinating to me. So every time I, I go in the forest, I just get the essential oils and <laughs> <laughs> them. Well, powerful and fascinating is you. Truly. So thank you. Um, it's going to be time for us to take a short little break. You and I will just discuss some things and, and maybe stretch. But we are going to take a short break and give a shout out to an aligned local business that I love very much. And I think that you will, too. This is Dr. Pepper Hernandez from Natural Medicine on the Plaza. Have you ever thought about becoming a holistic health practitioner? Well, now you can, with online classes as well as traditional in-class workshops right here in Arcata, Humboldt County. This program is being taught by some of the most amazing teachers in the areas of herbal medicine, holistic anatomy, women's yoni health, essential oils, juice cleansing, meditation, yoga therapy, Ayurvedics, and so many more. Visit the website today and get started on your application, drpepperhernandez.com. Interested in classes, workshops, or other trainings? Check out the website for more information. Start your new journey now, and let's make this your very best year ever. Thank we you, are back. Dr. Pepper. That was a nice, refreshing little break. Yes. So, Dr. King, we have got so much information from you, and it's really only the tip of the iceberg. We really have to have you on again for a particular topic. Yeah, I'd love to come uh, back sometime for discuss specifics. Yes. Yeah, it would be great. I would love to, um, because our culture, which you've mentioned, is so rich in cannabis. and. Yes. 
we have healers and farmers and I mean people who have had cannabis in their lives for generations yeah right we're gonna have more conversations on things like that and we're lucky enough to have come from a particular background well I'm gonna speak for myself but from hearing yours come from a background that really didn't have any any kind of ties or connections to cannabis oh definitely not right and then moving here you know I've been here seven years you've been here three really being just saturated to almost where it's a normalcy and that's what the rest of the country is going to look like very soon Mm -hmm. Um, but for us to have kind of immersed in in that way I think that's a very unique experience and so I know that cannabis has a huge role in my life yeah. Uh, not just with my patients, but my practice and my teaching and all of these things. Uh-huh. But what about for you? Is it in your daily ritual routine at all? Just wondering. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is uh, in a twofold way. So at night, uh, because uh, I have sleep apnea and, and have nice. a CPAP machine, I find that uh, cannabis at night before I go to bed, edibles... And so on could be very helpful, giving me sleep continuity till till the morning, so I don't wake up like out of breath and you know try oh, to pull off yeah. the, uh, the 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 mask. So it's extraordinarily helpful for uh, in, insomnia. In addition to that, uh, I'll sometimes uh, take uh, uh, drops or tincture uh, during the day because uh, for me that's more of a spiritual creative uh, action. I would not even call that rec- recreational. Uh, what I find is that when I do psychotherapy, it helps me be much more attentive to uh, nonverbal cues, to what's going on with my clients. So instead of just uh, getting maybe 20% of all the information I'm hearing from them or seeing from them, I may be getting 50%. Yeah. You know, and, and I find that that is you know, very helpful. So I consider that creative, spiritual aspect of it. So I have these you know, two different ways of, and approaches to, you know, for my own use of cannabis. Wonderful. Those are, those are wonderful. And other kind of daily rituals that you see, and this can be, you know, um, for the most part, you know, it doesn't have to be every single day, but any that you want to share with us? Yeah, I'd be, be glad to. One of the things that is extraordinarily important to me is pranayama or breathing exercises. And so virtually every day I'll, do um, you know like alternate nostril breathing or slowing my breath sometimes I'll do little more kundalini like activating uh, uh, breathing in some yoga classes that I uh, take but more it's the the calming uh, aspect of, of, of breathing so that's what I do almost every day I also do stretches uh, I really like yin yoga um, which you know I've taken a lot of classes of. There's a Samantha Akers, who's really a fabulous yin yoga teacher uh, here. And I find that holding a posture for uh, two minutes, three minutes, you know, helps. And from what I read, helps the fascia. The fascia are like viscous, yes. elastic tissue, I'm and they just fascinated stretch. by the fascia. Just yeah, the fascia. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, we had this discussion is it fascia or is it fascia the other day, but it's both. So, okay. <laughs> but I had, yeah, I'm fascinated by that right currently. It's yeah, like, so, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I am fascinated. Yeah, that, that just really puts my body in a, in a wonderful state and, and so on every day. The third thing that I do uh, is a, basically a hiking, but the Japanese call it forest bathing. 
It's actually a term in Japanese that they've studied where being out in nature uh, lowers uh, cortisol, stress hormones, that kind of stuff, uh, as opposed to just sitting in the city. You know, they've, their scientists have studied that, you know, pretty thoroughly. And that's called forest bathing. Forest bathing. You go to the forest and it's like bathing in the influence of the forest. So that really is an apt description of how I experience, you know, going to the forest here. Oh, that is amazing daily ritual for yourself. Just amazing. You've mentioned multiple times on a breathing technique. And the next question I have for you is, you know, putting, if you were to put a self-care recipe together Mm -hmm. for a patient or a friend or any of our listeners that would make them closer to their aligned higher self. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A superhuman being. A superhuman being. That's what I I think of my audience. My audience that listens, they're wanting they're wanting to tune in to learn how to become a superhuman being. Uh And so, what would that look like? And Mm -hmm. does that include the breathing techniques? The most important thing about breathing is to slow down the the breath. So when you slow down the breath, um, you turn on the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic nerve. And it slows down the heart and it reduces stress. So for most of my clients, most of my clients are breathing too rapidly or hyperventilating. I mean, you need to breathe maybe six times a minute to, you know, achieve that uh, effect. So that's probably the single most important uh, recommendation I make to my clients. Uh, Other ones are um, find community. We haven't talked much about that, but I've certainly found the community here. It's just marvelous. I like the arts, and so I hang out with a lot of the artists in the in, in, in the area. Yeah, you do that. We didn't add this, but you have a leadership role there at the West Haven Community for Arts. Yeah, I'm the, the, the director of the yeah West Haven Center for the Arts up uh, West Haven near Trinidad. So that that's been inspiring to me. Which is a grassroots community. It's a grassroots community. Speaking of community, you've been... For three years. So I, 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 Yeah, I applied for the position when I came out here and been doing it for three years. That's great. Now you're motivating me to come and figure out what that's all about. There's concerts, beautiful art. We have a lot of, you know, healing. I'm bringing in healing arts and, uh, you know, yoga teachers and other kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. So what other things would you add to a self-care so, recipe? We have the breath, breath we the, have the community, community, relating to others, uh, artistic expression. Find something that, you know, thrills you that you can do, whether it's drawing or writing in a, in a, in a, in a journal or, or, you know, jamming on some music uh, and be not critical about it. Don't be self-judgmental. That's so the key. many people write something I'll say oh I'm I can't this is terrible writing and that's so, the key that's the key the uh-huh. non-judgmental nature yeah of it. yeah that's it because we get kind of stopped or stuck what are some other things of creating because when you say artist I do think of someone who is a musician or an artist or a painter but yeah. we can also be creative in you know making food or creative and raising a child. I mean, exactly. that's molding an energy. <laughs> yeah. 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 So just looking at things in a creative way, looking like at things in a creative way, being open right. about right. and your approach to, to, to life and to others. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And so those are the three for the self care recipe. Yeah. Any other things that we've missed? Uh, I also run at the West Haven center for the arts, uh, monthly uh group discussion called gaia's love which is 
nature-based spirituality discussion group, but we also go through breathing and meditation. It's different each each wow. month. We have a theme, you know, related to, you know, our lives and connections to, to, to nature. So we're recording this in the spring of 2018. Mm-hmm. Are there particular days of the week? Are they on Tuesday? Oh, it's always on a Sunday at 10 o'clock, okay. uh, one day a, a month, usually toward okay. the end of the month. Okay, great. So someone can kind of look up, and is there a website for that that they can check in? Yeah, to see West just... Haven Arts. Okay. Yeah. To see if you're still you're still doing it, because who knows yeah. when this person when person is going to listen. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening now, you're listening now, you come can come join to us that. End of That's... April, end of May, and uh, wow. you know, experience guys love and you know discussion and and kind of meditation and breathing. And can t- tune in with you and ask questions or just oh, feel yeah. that space. You do have a very soft and fluid energy about you, and I appreciate okay. that. It feels very you can feel that through. Um, that meditation. So we have gone through rituals that you give to other people and rituals that you, you know, do for yourself. I would like to ask you if you have a life mantra, because I bet this one is exceptional. Okay. I mean, I'm, expect- I'm not <laughs> expecting it, yeah. anything. All right. I'm just saying, but, I bet yes. that this one is, I would really like to hear this one. Okay. Yeah. So if you have one, I, would you share it with I me? I do, and, and I can tell you how it, it yeah, I got Even it. Better. It came to Even me. better. Okay, All right. Great. The life mantra would be the one, and uh, either in English it's be the one. For me, originally, it came from Greek, uh, Tahan means uh, the one in, in ancient Greek. And the way it came to me um, for my mantra was many, many, many years ago, I was in, in Hawaii, and it was like a full moon night, you know, staying in a, a condo, you know, <laughs> by, by, by Poipu Beach on Kauai, and I had this dream that I wandered I into this Kauai. cave, and I was in this cave and uh, by the ocean, and I could hear the waters coming through and, and so on outside, and and then all of a sudden... Um, the words Tahan or the one came to me, you know, in Hawaii. Of all I mean, it gives me shivers. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So, and I think that has to do with the whole idea that the universe is one. It's non-dual. We don't, we shouldn't necessarily make differences between, uh, you know, us versus them or good versus evil. And so on. we need to feel our connection with, with all beings, whether it's, you know, human beings or trees or the rocks or the, 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 the sea. So the one mantra sort of, you know, epitomizes that yes. uh, relationship for, uh, for me. I knew it would be. I knew you it would be. be. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I mean, that got right down to, you know, life mantras, people can have it very personalized and whatnot, but that one is just across the board. Yeah. Right. Everybody every, can. Uh, yeah. Everybody, everything can. The one. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. So it's about that time in our podcast where we do one last fun little thing. Okay. So we have what we call the wisdom healing cards. Okay. And what I'll have you do is I'll have you, you can shuffle through them and you can energetically scan and see which one feels good to you or you can just choose it by color or by whichever way that you want to and then we're going to see which card you choose and how it resonates with you and while we're doing that i'm going to play the ball the golden singing ball (laughs) 
I'm going to get better at this the longer I do it, but I'm just probably going to ding on it. So did you find something uh, yeah. that you like? Ooh, I love that. Let me see the front. <gasps> Ooh, I love the colors. Those orange, that's creativity. That's sacral. That's, you yeah. know, that's finding your artistic passion. So read it to the audience. Okay, the card. The audience. Title is Examine Unfinished Business. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Talk about perfect for you. Perfect, perfect. Today's <laughs> lesson. Identify one piece of unfinished business. This could be related to a person or a task. Then do one thing to bring it to closure. If you find that you're unable to do so, you've identified a major power leak and a serious block to your healing. Your goal, to understand that all experiences either make you bitter or better. Wow. Wow. That is exactly what we've been talking exactly. about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you yeah. feel like that resonates with you? Well, totally in the sense that uh, my whole life has been examining unfinished business. I'll, I'll reach a certain place, a certain plateau, and there'll be something, some yearning that's not quite right, whether it's being a psychiatrist at Stanford uh, or being ma a mathematician earlier on and then shifting. Um, Coming up here and setting up a practice, uh, it seems like my whole life has been an attempt to examine what's unfinished, what's propelling me forward to to help others, to heal uh, others. So one needs to examine that every day, I believe, and I think the listeners should as well. You know, could profit from from that kind of sage advice from the mm -hmm. from this card. So yeah. definitely resonates for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely resonates with me as well. I think when we kind of tuned in earlier about having all of those different portions of our bodies that have trauma and how we yeah. kind of live our life through that. And if we can just one day at a time take a look at those pieces, yeah. then yeah. we can really yeah. create a new reality for ourselves, right? right? And, so and you're helping people do that. And so I appreciate you being here in our community very much so. How do people that are listening to the podcast get a hold of you if they need to get in touch with you or would like to make an appointment? I know you're super busy right now, so I don't know if you're taking on new patients. Mm -hmm. I know you do it by referral or you and I do that. Yes. But tell uh, tell the listeners how they can contact you. Okay, I'd be delighted. Uh, the best way of reaching me is through email. And my email address is Roy, R-O-Y-J, King. K-I-N-G, and then the number two at hotmail.com. So that's Roy J. King, two at hotmail.com. And as uh, Dr. Pepper, as you've said, uh, most of my referrals are uh, through providers and others who uh, make the re referrals. Uh, that said, however, sometimes I will occasionally work with people who contact me directly. Wonderful, wonderful. Dr. King, again, I thank you so much for taking time to come on our show and, if anything, help our listeners to get one step closer to aligning themselves mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And to you, the listener, I thank you for tuning in. And until next time, I'm your host, Dr. Pepper Hernandez. Have a magical, wonderful day, and let's try to make this your very best week ever.
This episode has been brought to you by Fuzzy Bunnies.